This morning, our scripture passage, our scripture reading, is taken from the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 17. Would you stand, please, as we read? I'll read and follow along on the screen or your copy of God's Word. The uh, title, at least in my Bible, says, A Final Charge to Timothy. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for all that you do for us to cause us to grow. You simply do not allow us to come into your family and stagnate. But God, you have a plan and a desire that each of us would enter into a, re a relationship with you and that relationship would grow closer and closer, sweeter and sweeter as we are transformed into the likeness of your Son, Jesus. We pray that we would fully cooperate in that process. Lord, we know we cannot become Christ-like without your power, and yet we also know we will not become Christ-like without our obedience and cooperation in your Word. And so we pray that as we know you're going to do your part, that we would humbly, gratefully choose to do our part in the work that you want to do in our lives, and the blessings that you want to bring. Father, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Growth is a good thing. It's a good thing to grow up. It's interesting to watch people grow. We have a lot of children that come forward every Sunday. And I find it so fascinating, though, that many of the children that last year or the year before, after the children's sermon, used to filter on out and go on out to children's church. Now they're big kids, and they stay in big church, and they've learned to sit and be still and do what they need to do. Sometimes it's a tough transition, but... It's just one of the many ways we see growth and maturity take place. And growth and maturity in, in, in the physical realm as well as the spiritual realm is extremely important. And this morning from this passage of scripture we have, I want us to address the idea or the question of how we grow. 
How is it that we as believers can keep from being stuck in infancy, can keep from being stuck in immaturity? What is God's plan and his desire to allow us to grow and to become more like Christ? And I think these words from Paul to Timothy, uh, who was his protege, who was someone he was deeply invested in. Not only did he disciple him in the faith, but he mentored him. He put everything into this young man, along with others like Titus and others, that, that he wanted to see them be the next generation of believers. So let's talk about how we grow this morning. Number one, you and I grow by example. We grow by example. We see how other people live, and we learn from that. Hopefully, first of all, from positive example. Paul said, he said, you know my way of life. And so he started listing a lot of things that Timothy had seen as he had traveled around the Mediterranean world, spreading the gospel, assisting Paul. He had a close-up view. He wasn't just someone out in the audience who, who heard Paul's eloquent words. Paul said, no, you didn't just hear what I preach. You saw how I live. And he, and he goes on and describes some things. He says, my purpose, my faith, patience, love, endurance. And, and you know, these kind of words that we get from the Apostle Paul, sometimes they st kind of startle us. They kind of make us think, you know, Paul says in some places, follow me as I follow Christ Jesus, or watch my example. And we're so hesitant in this day and age to, <laughs> to tell anyone, look at my example and follow me. But here's the thing. Christianity was brand new. They didn't have grandma and grandpa. They didn't have Pastor Bob that they'd known for 90 years or whatever. They didn't know what a Christian looked like. And so somebody had to say, as imperfect as I am, this is how a Christian looks. This is how they should walk. And all of us, uh, we learn. We, we think of the academic forms of learning, but we learn as much or more about the Christian life from looking at others, those who have been successful in their Christian life. And we look at them and we say, you know, they're not a hypocrite. They're not a fake. They haven't given up. They've been through some rough times, some ups and some downs. But I can see the hand of God at work in their life. You know, it's interesting. Some of you probably saw in the news the last few days uh, that, that Toby Mac, um, one of the most famous uh, Christian uh, artists out there today, used to be a part of DC Talk years ago, uh, has been on his own for a long time. But uh, he lost a son a few days ago. And this is very sudden and very shocking, 21-year-old son. And one of the things that came out, I think there was a, some questions asked of him, and, and he said, you know, we don't believe just when it's convenient. We don't believe just because God can give us all the good things we want. We love God. And I'm, I'm not quoting him exactly, but the point was, we're not on board with following God just because he gives us good stuff. We love God when times are good and when times are bad. And he's a definitely, I can't imagine what he and his family are going through right now. But one thing they're sure of is 
We love God and we're going to follow him through this pain, through this grief, through this heartache. We need examples of people that we see in our lives whose life isn't perfect and yet somehow they keep on believing, they keep on trusting, they keep on following. And Paul said to Timothy, look, you've been there. I don't have to puff up my resume for you. You've seen exactly how I live. And and I want you to understand, Timothy, it's important. Not just the good stuff, and he starts off with that. But anyway, he said this example is very important. And he also says we can learn from bad examples. We didn't read the first nine verses of this chapter, but the first nine verses are all about some crazy people who are trying to destroy the church and some of them just hate the church outright. Some of them are hypocrites who are trying to come in and teach false teaching. Some of them are only in the ministry for the money, trying to swindle people somehow. And, and there's all these different kind of people. And he, he was making a contrast there. Timothy, you know how not to live. You shouldn't do. And, and we can all learn, hopefully, by negative examples. As we see a path that someone's going down... And we realize that path is heading toward destruction. That can help us. I'm going to tell you, in my family, I won't say the names, but my kids have heard me say about a certain member of extended family, you're not going to be like that. (laughs) And they're like, oh, you know. But there's that example sometimes, even in family circles, where you're like, now kids, we do like this part of the family. We don't do like that part of the family, all right? Here's some positive examples, some ways that we want to follow. This is the way we're not going to follow. This is the way you're not going to live. And so all of us, that's why discipleship, that's why the body of Christ is so important. And these folks who say, oh, me and God are just great. And, you know, I don't need the church. I don't need to attend. See, they're they're misunderstanding that God's ways of teaching us, one of his main ways is how we interact with other believers. Older, same age, younger, these interactions shape and form us, and they allow us to grow in the way that we need to. So there's example that we learn by, both good and bad. Then there's experience that we learn by. Let's go back to these verses. After he talks about his way of life, then he starts talking about some of the things he went through. Persecution, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra? The persecutions that I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Now here's the great thing. When he says the Lord rescued me from all of them, he doesn't mean, oh, I didn't get whipped. I didn't get uh, stoned with stones. I didn't get shipwrecked. No, he went through all that stuff. But when he says the Lord rescued me, what he means is I went through those bad times But the Lord kept me from losing faith. The Lord kept me from going astray. He sustained me. He kept me in his love. And he's saying, you know, most of us, we'd never say, God rescued me if we went through all this bad stuff. But Paul's perspective is, yeah, I went through all those hard times. But God rescued me because he never allowed me to lose my close relationship with him. He always kept me close. And so experience of going through rough times, this is exactly the opposite 
of what the health and wealth prosperity gospel uh, preaches. It preaches that if you give the right amount of money, say the right things, believe the right stuff, man, your life is going to be great. There's all sorts of special blessings, mostly financial, that are going to come your way. And the more you love God, the smoother life's going to be. No wonder so many people turn away from Christianity thinking they've got the real deal when they've got an imitation in the first place because someone promised them, come to Jesus and everything will be better. Jesus never said that. Jesus, in fact, said, in this life you will have many sorrows. Paul right here in these verses says, and everyone who tries to live a godly life will face persecution. Not a few, not some, not most, everyone. In other words, if your whole life has been easy and free, you're not living for God. You're not working at it. Because he guarantees us, not that we get out of tribulation, he guarantees us we will have tribulation. If you really love Jesus, if you seek to serve him, there's going to be some rough times coming in your life because of your faith. Now, are there amazing blessings for serving God? Absolutely, they are. But that does not exempt us from the heartaches, the trials, the difficulties of life. So we have experience of those rough times. We have experience also, not only persecution, but perseverance. Look in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom whom you've learned it. Continue. Persevere. One of the interesting things is I find a lot of Christians who get stuck in their faith at a certain point, and they feel like they're not going anywhere. God's not showing me anything new. I'm not seeing anything. And one of the first questions I ask politely and as tactfully as I can, are you already doing what you know God told you to do? Before you're saying, God, give me more, fill me, show me more, and do more, and and I want to see new parts of you, are you already following and doing what you've already been showed and told and taught? Because I have to believe that sometimes God's like, you want more, but you're not even doing what I've already showed you. I've already revealed to you things, and you're saying, "Eh, I I want something more and better, and God says, no, you kind of get this down (laughs) You start actually doing this. You see, the Bible tells us that we grow through obedience. We grow not just because I know the right thing to do, but I begin to walk in faith and live out that right thing. And that is when God's spirit begins to build and grow and work. And then maybe he says, okay, here's the next level. And that next level might be some new knowledge of him. It might be some new knowledge of our own sinfulness. I mean, it might not be fun. It might be God points out to us some unflattering things about us that we really didn't want anyone to point out. But God says to to grow closer, to be more like Christ. You're going to have to understand a little bit more of my holiness and your sinfulness. So we learn through the example of watching people. We learn through experience of our own life. And then we learn through God's Word. We learn through the Holy Scriptures. 
This verse, this very, the most famous part of this passage says, All Scripture, or God breathed, and used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, some of you who are taking notes, you might be a little disappointed because we talked about example, experience. And then you're waiting for that third and matching. Since you really want it, I'm going to give it to you. Exhalation. Exhalation is the third point, uh, if you really want that. And what I mean by exhalation is this is the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What does inspiration mean? It means God breathed. His instruction, his word, is God-breathed truth. Now, that includes everything that he speaks to us in our spirit. But specifically, this is talking about the God-breathed scriptures that are written down. This is talking about God's holy word. That we take his holy scripture... And that we listen to it and we allow it to shape our lives. Yes, we have the example of, of those Christians around us. And yes, we have our own experience of walking with God. The tough times and the trials we go through. The obedience as we learn to walk in faith. But then he says, here's God's word. And by the way, if you wonder, if you say... Man, why wasn't this one at the top? You know, the early believers did not have the privilege that we have. To have this in written form, all put together where we can take it wherever. In fact, we can even pull out our phones and pull up the Bible electronically. They simply had to watch other believers and how they lived. And, and they had to pray. And sometimes they would wish, is there something written down where I can read it for myself? And maybe they got an apostle actually traveled to their town. Or they got a leaflet, a, a, a part of one book of the Bible. And their, their little church would treasure that piece of scripture they had. And Paul said, if you can get a hold of the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God. If you can get a hold of Scripture, it is so powerful in your life. And it's amazing that what people back then, and even today people in other countries where Christianity is not legal and where it's persecuted, so many of them would love to have a Bible, and yet they don't have one. And we have multiple Bibles in most of our homes, and yet they're often covered with dust. They're often unappreciated. But Paul, through God's Spirit, tells us something powerful. There are some things that God does here. First of all, we get a, the Bible does a great job of, of explanation. It talks about two things here that are really explanatory. They're knowledge teaching. He says, it is good for teaching and it's good for correcting. Those are both about doctrine, about belief. In other words, this Bible... This is the standard. This is what tells us about what's right, how we should believe. And it also corrects wrong beliefs. It's also important that when we get confused with what the world said, or maybe even what Paul said, we know what the real standard is. It's God's word. So we learn, we taught, we're also corrected. But it's not just head knowledge. The Bible addresses not just belief, but also behavior. 
He says, this is kind of an exhortation. He says it's good for training in righteousness, and it's good for rebuking. Rebuking. Don't you love that biblical word? Anyone ever come up to you saying, Brother Will, I want to rebuke you today? <laughs> uh, you know, not in those words, probably, although we've all been rebuked. They just probably haven't used that word when they said it. We all, uh, we all need not only to get our belief right, okay? We need to believe the right things and reject false beliefs. If only that was it. If only Christianity was about believing the right things. But it's about living in those things, walking in those things. And God says, it's not enough just to know right from wrong. You've got to do right rather than do wrong. And so it's good for training in righteousness. This Bible here tells us not just what to believe, but how to live. And it's also good for rebuking. It is also good, this word, to look at us and hold us accountable and to say what you're doing isn't right because God said that's not the way, that's not the path to life. That's not the path to freedom. You say, see, we often, even as we claim to be believers, we often look to other sources of wisdom, uh, whether it's our own selfish desires or what our friends say or do or whatever, and, and so we end up getting off course. I love the little uh, lesson that we got this morning in the children's sermon. And they got to talking about the Bible. And they talked about the fact that there's some maps in the back. And I heard a comment from my young Mr. Stockton, I believe. He said, I can't find Columbus in there anywhere. <laughs> and here's the thing. I mean, that's a great thing. If you, if you say there's a map in the back, why would we, you know, it's kind of natural to assume, oh, I'm going to find my town in it. But we're not going to find Columbus in the back of our Bible. It's just not going to be there. And if you're looking in the wrong place, you're not going to find the instruction for God that he wants you to have. And so many of us forget to look here, and instead we look to other places. God's desire for us is to grow. Not flabby. Not big in the stomach or the waist. Spiritually speaking, his desire for us is to grow in strength. And here's the awesome thing. Denise and I were having, uh, were having this conversation on the way home, four-hour drive home from a wedding yesterday. And we started talking about the wonderful joys of aging and, and, and how the interesting things that happen with your body over time. And so we are now well firmly into that middle age of life, and we know we're approaching and heading toward the, the later golden years. And, and we talked about what's already changed so far. And, and she talked about, you're sitting around, she teaches teenagers all day long, and, and she sees them, and she sees herself, and she says, you know, there's changes there. And then we talk about the changes that are to come. Well, if it's like this now... What's it going to be like then? And see, all of us, we have to contend with this very ugly reality that physically speaking, it ain't getting better, okay? We can fight it. We can go to the gym. We can try to sustain and plateau a little while before we start going down. But there's only so much we can do physically. But the awesome thing about spiritual growth 
is that we do not have a natural decline, an inevitable decline that we have to experience. But spiritually speaking, God tells us you can grow and strengthen and get better equipped and get more prepared and get stronger. I mean, that's nicer than physical reality, isn't it? That's more encouraging than physical reality. And so when you're sitting around feeling sorry for yourself, saying, I'm going down, I'm going down, God says you can go up, up, up in the most important thing in life, and that is your relationship with me. In fact, the only thing that can stop you from growing closer to Christ is you. No one else in the world can take away your relationship and your growth in Christ. The only thing that handicaps you, the only thing that limits you, is your own desire and love for God and your will to seek Him and serve Him. So I encourage you this morning. You can do all you want in any other area of life to grow, and that's awesome. But the most important area of life is how we grow with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And God's given us a very simple plan. Look around for good examples, how I can learn to be more like Christ. There's been a lot of times in my life when I thought I was doing good Christian stuff, and then I saw someone who was really living for Christ, and I realized there's something different about them, something going on, and it made me reevaluate and say, you know, maybe I don't have it all yet. And we also learn from those negative examples. We don't want to end up in train wreck. We don't want to end up in destruction, and so we learn from those. We learn from our experiences as we keep on walking, and we learn from God's Word. Because what society says is good, bad, or indifferent, that changes constantly. Some of us have lived long enough that we are absolutely shocked of things that are now being proclaimed as truth that a few years ago, everybody would have said, that's crazy. But this does not change. God's truth for us, and as we apply it to our lives, will grow. Would you join with me in prayer? Father God, thank you for your love for us, for the fact that you don't, you're not a mean boss who gives us a job with great responsibility and yet zero authority or capability to give it, to, to, to complete it. God, you're an amazing master. You're an amazing Lord. You give us a chance to be a part of your team. And then you equip us. You give us every resource we need to grow and to succeed in our walk of faith. And I pray that we would simply take advantage, uh, that we would allow ourselves to be discipled, to be taught, to be equipped, that we can live for you and we can grow in faith every single day of our lives as we walk with you. Father, if there's someone here today and this whole thing about growing in Christ makes no sense to them because they're not in Christ, to grow they would have to be born spiritually first. I pray that today that they would realize that without you, Father, they have no hope. Ultimately, with you, because you've paid the price for their sins through the death of Jesus Christ, Lord, that they would come 
to a saving knowledge of your son, Jesus. Father, if there's those here today that they've realized they've rested on their laurels. If they're honest and they talk about their Christian growth, it's in the past tense. It's something that happened once upon a time at revival or camp or conference or in the good old days. And they're not really growing right now. And God, you've called out to them. Lord, I I just, I pray that you'd light a fire under all of us. That we would desire to grow and to be all that you want us to be. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.